Hi, and welcome to episode number 58 of the Mandarin Blueprint podcast. I was thinking about updates this week, and one thing that I've been trying to do uh, is think about new content we can create just for social media, you know, just to basically build a build a better relationship with our followers, both on and off the course. And so I was thinking about what, what sort of content do people need and what sort of content do people want? Because it's just, when I sit down and I actually try to do it, there's just so much, there's so many possibilities. One of the things I was doing, I was looking on um, Reddit and uh, Chinese forums just to sort of have a look around what are some questions that people are asking? What are some struggles that people are having? Just to try and get some inspiration as to what to talk about. And one of the things that I was noticing that was fairly common and not just common in my own experience in the past, but just what I was looking at, it was fairly common too, was, hey, I've been trying to learn this Chinese stuff for a while now, whether that's like a year or a few months or even a few years for some people, and I'm just getting nowhere, and it's driving me crazy. This poor guy, I saw him on some, I commented on some Reddit uh, thing, I don't know if he commented back or not, but he was just, I'm, I've been learning Chinese for, how long did he say? It was, some, it was something like three years. He's been, and he's, he was saying, or she, I don't know if it's he or she. He was saying, I'm on a degree course, and that was my first alarm bell. You're on a, trying to do a degree in Chinese to learn Chinese, you know. Um, Phil can tell you from personal experience, and I can tell you from experience for the one semester that I could manage to get through. Um, that's not going to work in general, or at least it's a really painful, really slow way of doing it. Anyway, I saw this guy. I'm just going to say it's a guy. And he's just, I've been working my butt off, and I, can, and I know this exact feeling. I'm getting nowhere. And I was thinking, that's a that's a good thing. It's just, that's where I think I should start, right? It's just give some clues as to, for not just for people that have been in it for a while, but also beginners. Like, where the heck do I start? Or give, give me a general plan so I can go back and correct my course. So... I was thinking, all right, let's go back to basics. What are the basics? What causes most people most problems when trying to learn Chinese? And I'm going to assume a lot of other languages too, but I, I really don't want to sort of delve into stuff I don't know what I'm talking about. And I'll stick to this. I think, and Phil and I both think this way, that's pretty much why we made the course, is that the perspective is all about um, traditional methods, first of all, using traditional methods to learn a language as an adult. And when I say traditional, I mean textbook, classroom. You didn't do that for your native language. So one day, it took a while for me to click with this. So I'm not judging anyone who thinks this way at all. And I might be wrong, who knows? But I think that the biggest problem, first of all, is that you're trying to learn a language in a completely opposite or different way than you learned your native tongue or any other languages that you learn, say, as a child or even as an adult. Some people, it sticks for them. They learn a certain way. But why are you trying to learn Chinese in a classroom? You didn't learn Chinese in a... Uh, you didn't learn English in a classroom or whatever your native language is. So, and then the next question becomes, okay, so how did we really learn our native language? And we really learned our native language through listening and, you know, um, trying our best to communicate with what we had available and listening and more listening and more listening. And then when we could read, reading and then listening and reading and listening and watching and watching and watching TV, 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 <laughs> that was for me anyway. Radio, you know, movies, just 
books, you know, um, targeted language practice. And by the way, I want to go back and because I think recently I was too harsh about this whole classroom thing. Like, is it what? So I can, so no class is effective for language learning? Of course not. That's, that sounds ridiculous, actually. I think I believe I said this recently. And I didn't want to give the impression that no classes are valuable for your Chinese learning at all. That's nonsense. There are some incredible teachers out there who really make plans and they can they can create a learning environment where it's all focused around input that you can understand, comprehensible input, which is ideal. So they can they they are such good teachers and they plan their classes so well that they can give you these incredible classes which which keep your brain neurons firing, delivering content to you in a visual way. So even if it's stuff that you don't you don't know what words are. They, they communicate in such a way using visuals and drawings and, 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 and gestures that they can explain, they can talk to you in a way that you can understand. Uh, and, and, and that's comprehensible input. And of course, they can then get you to produce the, the same thing that they just taught you, which is practicing speaking. And of course, writing comes later and whatnot. So I, I didn't want to give the impression that, <clears throat> sorry, I didn't want to give the impression that all class learning is useless because who am I to say that um, but I just think most are <laughs> most classes the way they set out they most teachers <clears throat> just because they're humans they do as little as they possibly can um, and even if they work their butts off this they using often the wrong methodology they're just they're using the textbook as a crutch rather than trying to communicate things to you focusing on getting stuff in your head uh, rather than just repeating things um, that don't really have much foundation, that you don't have a foundation to understand. Um, so there is that. And also, they don't know how to teach pronunciation that well, and they don't know how to teach characters at all, in my experience, um, and how to retain information. So even if they give you a really good, if they give you a really good lesson, right? And like I said, it's, it's that sort of structure. You don't, you just have notes. They don't, they hardly ever, if ever, have I ever heard about a teacher assigning SRS flashcards, which in my opinion is the best way to remember information uh, for the short to medium term. And then, well, of course, put it, that's a terrible way to put it, <laughs> for the long term, but basically get short term memory stuff into your long term memory as quickly as possible. They don't use that. So even if you have this incredible lesson, it's up to you to review your notes, which I mean, who does that really uh, regularly and enough? So rather than just say all that, right, to this, this guy that I saw, I just said, read and listen to stuff that you can understand, comprehensible input. Do that as much as you possibly can. Listen um, whenever you get on uh, public transport, whenever you go to the gym, whenever you travel anywhere or work out or do anything where you don't really need to focus that much, um, like so outside of, say, uh, work, unless you're doing like a menial job, you know, you're just lifting stuff. In that case, listen to things. Um, always and things that you can pretty much understand. Don't have to understand everything. Stick that stuff in your ear, and at the same time, focus on learning characters. Focus on learning words. Um, and that's it, really. I just just do that. Make character learning the core of your content of of your daily study routine. Use SRS to keep all, because you're going to be learning so much in the in the early stages. You need really SRS to to keep it all in there. And uh, also at the same time as you're doing all of this, listen. 
and try to read as well. <clears throat> Reading comes later, of course, because you need the characters to be able to read. But that's what I went to go. Anyway, I just felt bad because there's so many people that are going through the same thing. I, you know, Phil and I went through the same thing. That's why we made this company in the first place, you know. And it's such a shame to see it because um, uh, I know the struggle. These people that just work their butts off, they're really working and they, they have this dream of being able to, you know, communicate fluently or just reasonably fluently or to be able to read stuff in Chinese and they're just not getting there and it's because the methods they're using are terrible. Um, and just the whole concept of language learning is wrong. And again, it's not to blame these people because we've been taught wrong. It's not, it's not, that's not your fault. It's not our fault, right? Um, so anyway, that was just something I was going to think about making a video on. <laughs> so I, I guess I sort of am right now, but I mean, uh, on like, you know, YouTube or Facebook, uh, or what have you. So I, I was, I was going to put that out anyway, if anyone's listening, and you, you know you, tend, you happen to stumble across this and you are struggling that's what i would recommend that's my prescription for you now if you want a, a full guide on how to do that you want to go from not really knowing much about the language or you're really deep into the language but you've just done it all you think you've done it all wrong and you, you're just not going anywhere come and check out the course go, go to mandarinblueprint.com and we'll teach you how to read write and understand chinese first in a matter of weeks or months, depending on how, how much time you want to put into the course. And then you'll find yourself speaking fluently pretty soon after that. So anyway, today's content, let's get into it. So we've got, as usual, we're going to jump into uh, the comments that we've received throughout the week, either on the platform or via email. Uh, and by the way, oh, yeah, I forgot to actually ask you guys. So the whole reason I brought this up is because if you have any uh, if you have any suggestions or things that you would like me to talk about, um, and Phil as well, in a video format, you know, what, what do you think, we, what would you like us to delve into a little bit deeper? Because I've literally got a list of stuff that I want to talk about, and I don't know what to choose first, because I can only make sort of one, one piece of content, you know, a, a week or a few, a few, a few bits of content a week, perhaps, <clears throat> at a push. So let me know. And, uh, We'll, we'll get started on that, okay? So let's jump into the props first. As usual, if you're not familiar with this podcast, you're not familiar with our course, what we do is we, we use this podcast as a way of communicating with everyone on the course because it's just us two. It's just Phil and I um, for the most part. So it's difficult for us to communicate directly on the platform because there's so many comments we get every week. Uh, so this is our way of doing that. So we're going to go through... And it's based on the actual course itself, or at least most of it is. So we talk about props, and we talk about actors, and we talk about sets. These are aspects of what we call the Hanzi movie method. It's a way of learning Chinese characters using memory techniques. So if you'll be completely unclear about what any of this means, but there's in the show notes, there are links to blog posts that will explain everything for you. Okay. If you're interested in signing up, I suggest you, you, you uh, visit mandarinblueprint.com. So first we've got a comment just for prop, a pick a prop for da, which means big. And Matthias uh, Strzelecki, I'm probably pronouncing that wrong, almost definitely actually, he says in big capital letters, Big Ben. That's a great choice. That was actually mine, wasn't it? I definitely have Big Ben for one of my props. Uh, I think it was that one. 
Uh, Jonathan Pritchard, our picker prop for T, which means air or gas, he says, as soon as I saw what that character was and that there'd be a prop for it, I knew I'd be picking Ang because I loved the last Airbender series. I've mentioned this a couple of times. Anyone that listens to this podcast regularly, uh, Ang has an entirely Chinese version as well. This is what I replied to Jonathan about has an entirely Mandarin, it's Taiwanese Mandarin, you know, so you can't, it's not, it's not great, but <laughs> it's, that's my opinion on, on that accent. But it's a fantastic series. It's, it's so fun. The first series, by the way, not anything after that, which we will not speak of. Um, but yeah, I love that when it comes together that way and you get your, you get all these, you get to choose characters or uh, people from movies, TV shows, things that you actually genuinely are into. Uh, you're really interested in it and you can't it's, it's almost like you can't wait to see that prop in a character so yes i get to i get to make ang do some cool stuff you know that's awesome uh river nixon on pick a prop for jiao uh which i guess the, one of the meanings for this is intercourse in like in all sort of forms of that you know just like conversing in in, in what all the other the other sort of meaning of that um I can't remember what the actual keyword we chose for. I think it was that, actually. It says Kelly Kapoor. Oh, yeah, yeah. Kelly Kapoor from the TV show The Office, because she's always just talking, talking, talking. Um, Alina Dana Kuroyan on Pick a Prop for Mu, which means uh, mother. Um, oh, I guess it just means female as well. Um, she says the primordial mother Gaia, Greek old deity. I have no idea what that would look like, but I imagine you do, which is awesome. That's a great choice. Uh, there's always lots of stuff you can do when you choose people like Ang or you know the, an, a deity like a god. There's always so much cool stuff you can do with them. They have naturally sort of built in like powers that you can sort of use. It's, it's very cool if you're into that sort of thing. Okay, next we have uh, Daniel Dalforno with a pick a prop for R, which means uh, child, I guess, or son, um, like Arudza. Uh, fishing rod with a hook. Fishing rod with a hook. So you can always choose depending on the appearance or the meaning. And I guess you've gone for the meaning there. And that makes absolute sense, actually. Very good choice. Makai Albert, or Albert, sorry, on pick a prop for Liao. A pair of socks. Yeah, so anytime you see, uh, that's based on the meaning, of course. It could be a pair of chopsticks, or it could be uh, even twins. Uh, it could also be, like I think someone even chose like a pair of oxen like tied together with a yoke. Uh, which was just very unique, right? So anything like that is awesome. Uh, Makai Albert again on pick a prop for Wang, which means king. It says Carlos V, a Mexican candy I grew up eating. Carlos V. So again, this is something I love where it's just, I can't even tell what that has to do with the prop, like whether it's to do with the appearance or maybe it's like Carlos V is some sort of king. I don't know because Wong means king. But that's what makes this awesome. So it doesn't matter what I think as long as it, or what anyone else thinks, as long as it works for you. You know, so that's, I, I just, I love seeing that. I, I actually enjoy seeing ones that I have completely no idea what they are. Because that means it works. It's, you're very unique to that person. That means it's going to work extra good for Makai. Another one from Makai, he says, pick a prop for Zhu, which means master. And he's chosen Yoda. <laughs> you can always tell someone's into stuff where they just got big capital letters. Yes, Yoda. Uh, yeah, very good choice for that one too. Again, lots of cool powers you could use in that one. 
Dev Chen on uh, Pick a Pro. Dev, it's good to have you back, man. You, it seemed like you went you went away from us for a while. I didn't have any of your comments for ages. And then uh, we've got, we got you back here, back on the course, back on the wagon, I guess. I don't know. Uh, pick a prop for ya, which means tooth. Sabertooth tiger. Yeah, absolutely right. That'll do. That'll do very well. You can even choose the cartoon version from, what is that, Ice Age movie uh, with the guy with the cool voice as well, you know, just to make it extra personal. Because uh, obviously, Saber Two Tigers, like, we all sort of seen a picture of one, but I can't. It's, I find it. I just imagine a lion with big teeth. You know, I can't really imagine it. So, but I would be able to imagine that character very well because I've watched it with my nieces and nephews like many times. Uh, Daniel Dalforno again on pick a prop for. I don't know what this is. It's like it's like the 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 the, the uh, component in uh, Ma Horse. That kind of looks like a toilet, so we we just said, oh, just imagine a you know a maton. Actually, it's funny enough. It's just imagine a toilet. Funnily enough, that's what they call like a Western style toilet in in uh, in China. A horse bucket maton. I hope they're not calling us horses for that. I don't know what that is. That's all about. Uh, he says he's not going to go for a, uh, a toilet. He's going to go for a wheelchair, which it all also kinds of kind of looks like. And as long as, as long as it kind of looks like the thing, just go for it. You know, the connection does not have to be that strong. Uh, or it could be quite tenuous. <clears throat> Sanja Krasnovic on pick a prop for Cole. The Rolling Stones mouth, but as a balloon. All right. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, uh, that's another thing that could absolutely work. Uh, adding your own, so you're taking our suggestions, but adding your own spin on it. Fantastic idea. And that, that adds another level of sort of uh, complexity to it as well, because it, add, it, it adds a sense of touch to it that's different from what you might imagine. So the balloon, of course, you can in incorporate that. It does certain things. It floats up. So you can always incorporate these things, these sort of characteristics of your prop into your scenes. We've got one actor this week, so that's from Dev Chen. He says, casting call for uh, GU. So GU, because it's all sound, it's one of the four categories, which would be a fictional character and something to do with the letter G. And he's chosen Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. But that's actually, yeah, because she's, yeah, she's green and the daughter of Thanos. The green daughter of Thanos. Yeah, so very memorable. But in theory, if you wanted to, you could choose anything related to Guardians. You could choose just any of the Guardians of the Galaxy because it's just related to G. You know, you even see that raccoon thing if you want. Uh, so next, that's just the one actor we've got this week. We're going to move straight on to movies. So this is where it all comes together. This is where we have the props, uh, which we've chosen the objects or the people or the animals or whatever represent the components. And we've got our sets, which are places that we've chosen from our life uh, in various rooms representing the tones. And then we've also got actors that use these props in this place to interact with them, to present the meaning visually of the character. And this is the movie, if you like. So we've got a good one here from, uh, we've got one here from Daniel Dal Forno on Make a, I've got to do that. I don't know why. <laughs> I feel I feel the need to do Dal Forno. Uh, make a movie for. I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, by the way. But that's what I'm going to do. Uh, make a movie for Jiao, which means a bunch of different things. It means uh, I actually remember saying this in the video on the course. Like Jiao means so many things. It's like learning, you know, it's like learning three, four, five words in one movie. 
because jiao can mean for a cat or a dog to you know to, for an animal to sort of bark or make their animal sound whatever they do could also mean to call a taxi uh, could mean you know to be called what jiao luke um you know or yeah it, it just means a bunch of different things and or to to make me do uh, like oh uh, or something like that it's more formal but um it just means a bunch i love i love that it's so much bang for your buck so one movie you get all this content uh, unloaded for you like unlocked if you like anyway i digress so he says to make a movie for this so uh he's chosen i says i worked at ikea's warehouse so i chose the giant mouth and an upside down chair that's what it looks like right pretty much I was at Ikea when Jennifer Aniston called me and told me to go help her in the bathroom. Then I saw this big mouth sticking out from the wall and there was Jennifer trying to hit the mouth with an upside down chair. And I can imagine just because you've got to make sure uh, when it's when it's less sort of real, it's more abstract because like to call someone. Um, I guess that's fairly real, fairly direct, isn't it? But just to make sure you run into the ground, like I can just imagine walking in on her and she's like, and she's saying come over like she's calling you over she's like uh hey daniel you know she's looking at you and she's like hey daniel she's like calling out being really overacting in that set in that sense just to really drive the drive the point home that this is call that's what we're going for you know uh, really good really good idea very simple again everyone knows that i like simple when it comes to this when it comes to making movies simple and rely on your first instinct these are the two most important uh, rules or guidelines, if you like, if you can call them rules, uh, for this method. Ellery Hall on make a movie for you, which is a beautiful word, which means jade. It, uh, if you can see the character there, it looks like it's got king and it's got a little dot uh, in the bottom right corner, uh, which uh, will represent by like a drop of water or something like that. He says, <clears throat> or she says, sorry, Ellery is a, oh, do you know what? I just don't know if Ellery is a boy's or girl's name. Ellery feels like it's a girl's name, but I can't remember. So, <laughs> so making people angry now, especially Ellery. Um, God gives the king the jade touch by means of a drop. So that's brilliant. It's almost like a little line of a poem, but it's just sum summing up. It's all someone would need to get inspiration for this movie. I, like I said, I've said this before too. I love when people go into great detail and, and like to every line of like like they're writing an actual movie script it's fantastic but i also like this when it's just like a simple line that sums it up god gives the king the jade touch by means of a drop so you can just you can just play it allows the person reading that to just play it out for themselves say so, oh so oh, i know what i would do i would have uh you i would have like my my god character um get you know maybe god's hand comes down or something or she just gets the uh, she just gets the power of the jade touch by someone dropping uh, maybe me or maybe someone else giving her a drop of water or a water balloon whatever the drop is represented by um, and maybe she's got a crown on to represent she's a king and then she suddenly turns green and she's got the ability to make everything jade and she goes around the room just touching everything turning it into jade and i can like pick up the objects and and admire them afterwards and stuff and that's it uh fantastic idea uh rebecca weeble or webel <laughs> sorry uh make a move making loads of people angry today make a movie for chu to eat uh so he says uh charlie sheen as the ch -ch 
actor, so the CH, and uh, outside the entrance of my childhood home, so it represents the, the final, which is well, it's the null final, it's no final really, um, and uh, outside the entrance would be the first tone. He's feeding the Cheshire cat, that's the mouth prop that Rebecca has chosen, which is a great choice. She's feeding the Cheshire cat tinned cat food when my beggar comes up, uh, gets on his knees and eats the cat food too. Gross. Yeah, because so beggar is the right side component of this character. So, yeah, that's very visceral, let's put it that way. And that's going to be, and, and therefore, memorable. Doesn't, they don't always have to be gross, guys. I'm not saying it has to be gross, but if, if it's gross, it, it, it can help. Uh, memorize it. it activates that lizard brain that we've got going on um daniel dalforno again on uh make a movie for sure he says <laughs> i will also yeah this is from a video we did back in january i will always remember phil's story of shrek speaking evil into existence in one of the introductory videos that was one of the first characters i've learned even though i was doing the pronunciation course at the time yeah um it's a uh, speaking evil, yeah. So it's, it was uh, actually we got yeah. It's quite it's quite a visual. Uh, obviously, we had some heavily religious people contact us, said they weren't happy with it, which I completely understand. Uh, the idea of talking about hell coming into existence, I can understand that completely. But uh, I'm glad I'm glad that that um, <laughs> which is why we're not going to do that sort of thing anymore. But um, I'm glad that was helpful for you, Daniel. That's awesome. Uh, Julie on make a movie. For, oh, I don't have the label here, but we'll figure out what it is as we go through. Let's just read the scene. Um, and then I'll add the character later. It says, Gaston, so that's a G, is standing outside the customs line to get into Japan. And, is, and it is pouring down with rain outside. He sees the beast waiting on the other side. He takes his razor blade and puts it on top of the crucifix. Ah, this is for Gan. I can already tell, for dry. He puts it on top of the crucifix so that's, uh, to form a makeshift umbrella to keep himself dry as he is about to pursue the beast and Bell. So that's a great scene. See how great this is? I can just tell what character that is almost immediately. It's Gan, meaning dry. And that's a great scene. Also, so here's, here's some notes and comments. Years ago, I started learning Chinese with Chinese, uh, learning Chinese characters, Tuttle, Alison Matthew and Lawrence Matthews. There is a, and there is a sim, they have a similar methodology for character components, meaning, pronunciation, and tone. Yes, I've, I've seen it. Um, although I think that your methods are a little more diverse and sticky because of the variety. I got lazy with the movie method, but it's definitely the more effective tool in the long run versus rote memorization, as I've done both. Now, it depends on what you mean by lazy, because there's good lazy, by the way, which is the reason why we made this entire course in the first place. We were too lazy to learn the boring, long, difficult, traditional way. So that's that's good lazy. And then there's bad lazy where it's just you just you just could be bothered, even though it's working. You just I just rather watch Friends on TV or something like that. That's fine. Um, but it depends what you mean, because if you're getting you're saying you're getting lazy, I, I love it when people get lazy with the actual method itself. By the way. Because that usually means that they make really simple stories that's, that usually work better and they take less time and effort to create. Scenes, rather, not stories. Anyway. Also, another also. Two great books that are in support of these memory techniques and go into some more detail 
or a different point of view about them, Made to Stick by Chip and Dan Heath, and Red Thread Thinking by Deborah Kay. Yeah, thanks for those suggestions. And I'm sure, do you know what, like the the, the amount of, uh, I did, we both did very little uh, extra like reading and research. We read a couple of books uh, by, for example, um, uh, how am I forgetting his name? Brian, Dominic O'Brien, that's it. Dominic O'Brien, like eight time memory champion. I read a couple of his books and we used that, a lot of that inspiration, like techniques to improve the course before putting it out. But I'm sure there's other cool stuff we could learn by reading some more of these books. So if anyone does take, like read on, read these books, I've got a pile of books. I'm still, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people have, right? You have like a bunch of books that you're trying to get through um, or that you just, you, again, you just, other stuff comes up or you just get lazy or whatever. So uh, I probably won't get around to reading these anytime soon. But if anyone does read something like this, like you read uh, Art of Memory Forum articles or you uh, you check out some more memory books and you, you learn some cool stuff that you think could make the course better, let us know. We'd love to hear about it. Uh, that includes you, Judy, as well. Uh, awesome. So Daniel Del Forno again on, uh, sorry, Del Forno on uh, Make a Movie for Chu. Uh, so we've got another Eat movie. Let's see what Daniel does with it. I love seeing this. You've got the same character, but you just got two or three or four different, five, ten, a hundred different, completely different ways of creating a scene for it, you know. Chaplin was walking with a basket full of food towards the door of my childhood home. Then suddenly, Chaplin, ch -ch, then suddenly he saw a big giant mouth with a sad expression next to him, uh, and next to him was Oliver Twist with an empty plate. He felt sad, so he gave both of them part of their food. Uh, part of his food. The giant mouth smiled and Oliver smiled too. Simple, great, awesome. Here's something that um, Daniel did, which I guess, I guess um, people should imitate, which is we always say, don't bring in extra stuff, which in this case, some people might think would be, oh, why is he bringing in a big bowl of food? That's, that's extra stuff. It's directly connected with the keyword. So it's absolutely fine. It's adding, it's, it's, it's necessary to be there. Um, sure, you could think of another way, but I mean, how better to uh, represent the term eat than have someone eating food, right? Um, this is a great little thing. And of course, Oliver, by the way, Oliver Twist represents the beggar on the right-hand side, as maybe many of you probably noticed uh, already. Rebecca Weeble on Make a Movie for Quang which means situation, qing kuang, which again is a very abstract, so let's see, that's very abstract meaning, right? So let's see how we, how she uh, handles it. Oh, okay, so this is, not a, this, is a, this is not a movie, this is a question, okay. Didn't John have the popsicle as his ice pop? John is one of our guests uh, who, in the actual course, is on video talking about this uh, story. And these scenes are so effective. This was a year ago now that we did this, and I sort of remember his... I sort of remember that because I was with him, I believe, for that one, and it had Kermit the Frog, and Kermit the Frog. It was something to do with ice skates. Yeah, I, I remember this scene actually. Didn't John have the popsicle as his ice prop in the Faye character? Now he has ice skates. Can you change your prop like that? I thought your prop should stay the same. Your prop should stay the same. And this is an example of. The fact that we give these rules as guidelines, you know, we don't want to 
because it was difficult for us, right? Because we know we have hundreds, if not thousands of hours of experience teaching this method live. And then we made this course, right? And in those many hours of teaching, we learned a lot of things that we've made into what we now tell you guys is our, our general guidelines to follow. But we don't want to sort of be dogmatic about it. We don't want to be like, you have to do it this way. You can't do it that way. And this was, John was like one of our early students as well before we really solidified these rules. So, uh, and he was so good at it. He, he was so, he mastered the techniques so well, um, so quickly, uh, and with such a busy schedule as well. We've talked about it many times that we, I didn't want to sit there, like tell him what, he was probably better at it than I was, right? I didn't want to tell him, don't do that, you know, because it, it's working for him. And he has no problem with, I think, ice skates, I think, uh, I don't think it, you know, it didn't affect him negatively, so I'm not gonna correct him, right? And he's got some great scenes, so, you know, it's fine. But as a general rule following for you guys listening, don't do that. <laughs> don't choose more than one prop for the same component. Um, otherwise, you could have issues. But, you know, if you've mastered the, the method like John did, you can sort of make tweaks. You can, you can, you can, we can make exceptions for you, right? They're just guidelines, guys. Um, but yeah, sorry if that confused you, Rebecca. So now we're gonna, that's pretty much it for the movie stuff. Uh, we're gonna move straight onto what we just call miscellaneous, just some extra stuff that came in this week, email, whatever, that's just not really related to much else on the course, um, specifically. This one, actually, this is kind of, this probably should be in sets, but it's kind of miscellaneous. I'll show you what I mean. So Fred Snyder says, running out of places with kitchens for second tone. Can I change a location for the remaining second tones? Uh, this is sort of, a, I guess, a, just a general question. It doesn't really belong in sets or anywhere else. It's just a general thing. And the answer is you make your own boundaries because we know that the variety of places that you're going to have sets like you can they can be workplaces they can be shops they can be shopping malls or any shop <laughs> i don't know it seems to love talking about shops um friends houses they can be parks they can be outside locations as well they can be entire villages if you like i don't mind um but they are Better, it's better to have buildings, so it's just easier to define the boundaries. But not every single building has a hallway. Not every single building has even a toilet, right? Uh, like I, I imagined, for example, um, this worked absolutely fine for me. It was a very small corner shop. But I went into this corner shop almost every day since I was from the age of uh, you know 10 to the age of uh, 18, 20, I think. So that just constantly going to this place. So I knew it so well, and it was very small. It's probably, you know, maybe 50 square meters. But I would just imagine, okay, the counter is second tone. Outside the entrance is, of course, first tone. Um, and then the area near the post office in, is in little news agents with the post office. That's the third tone. And then back way, way in the back where the milk is, that's the fourth tone, right? And it worked. Um, you decide your own boundaries, of course, right? Uh, can I change a location for the remaining second tones? Yeah, yeah, absolutely you can. You you go in there into your mind's eye and say, okay, this reception area or whatever, that is now gonna be second tone up until here. 
this is now second tone. You can do this in your mind, it's fantastic. So try that, I actually already replied to Fred, but if anyone else has the same issue, that's how you deal with it, right? You make your own boundaries. Now this one is really interesting, and this is something that I'm so curious about. It's this idea from Antonio Lima. This is absolutely, this is so valuable for our course to have this sort of feedback or question, which is, hi guys, fantastic stuff. However, uh, I am unable to visualize anything but static in my mind's eye. So not, uh, so how to proceed with these lessons. Um, now, what I've done is I've, I've, because Antonio actually asked the same question in our community forum, which we call the Mandarin Blueprint community. And this is how amazing our clients are, right? Our members or whatever you want to call them. Uh, we, just this one guy, uh, Ivan Cyrilev, he got back with this huge um, reply all about, because he has a similar issue. And Phil and I were so curious, before we published this course, uh, which is coming on almost almost a year ago now, like last ja this January, we were like, what about these people? Because we were completely aware of this condition, and it's called aphantasia, visual aphantasia, where people just cannot imagine stuff in their mind's eye. And we did a lot of research into it. It's about it affects about 0.5% of the population, apparently, in, to varying degrees. Some people, like Antonio, can ima imagine nothing at all, just static. Some people, like Ivan, as you'll discover very soon, he has sort of basic visual visuals, then they go very quickly. It's hard to keep an image in his head. This is varying, it's like a spectrum of aphantasia. And we were so curious, like how, how are we going to overcome this problem? Um, because I've looked into it and I, I know that um, there are memory experts out there who, who have got content specifically for these people. And there's, there's like alternatives you can imagine, but we just, because you know, it affects such a small amount of people, we just don't have the manpower to create a section of the course that deals with it, but we, we, we will do someday, soon. Um, but this sort of thing, it just, it's great because we've got such fantastic people that give comments like this. I'll just, I'll just read through Ivan's comment on this. He says, what you're describing is visual aphantasia. And this is certainly not a gender specific thing. I'm a male and happen to be an aphantasiac. Um, there are different degrees of aphantasia. Some people cannot visualize anything at all, like Antonio. In my case, some effort, I'm able to imagine only dim static pictures and only for a tiny fraction of a moment. Then everything goes black and it takes my brain several seconds to recharge uh, before I can conjure another image. Sorry, that was my phone going off. It feels exactly like as if I've been shown a picture on the screen for 10 milliseconds. This time is enough to notice general features like the place, the actors, but the details often complex, like complex props, facial expressions and so on are often missing. And by no means am I able to visualize a movie. It's actually only recently that I've learned that most people can imagine things in great detail. And not that this bothers me in any way, I've been like that my whole life and for me it's just normal. Aphantasia does not affect my life, my social life, my work, performance, or anything like that. Funnily enough, I even do have dreams at night, although not too often. That's interesting. It's almost like that you can imagine stuff, but because obviously you can dream, and I imagine you mean dreaming visually, but there's some sort of blockage that doesn't allow you to do it in your sort of waking hours. That's so interesting. So having said that, what about Mandarin, the Mandarin Blueprint method? Like you, I compensate what I cannot see with something else. Um, 
Anthony, by the way, went into Antonio. Sorry, he went into more detail in the actual forum when he asked a question for help. He went into a lot more detail about his issue, um, and he compensates with certain things. You said you tended to create more elaborate stories, and I just link props not only to physical objects but also to tunes and tactile sensations, tactiles in touch. So for me, a prop is still an object, but it's also something else in addition. Some stories are just much easier to remember with alternatives. For example, the top part of um, a lot of characters, which we, we call loser because it looks like the Zen component on its, on its like just a person on, its, on, their, on their face, feels like I've just hit my finger with a hammer because it looks like a hammer, right? Um, ma, as in horse, reminds me of touching a horse's nose. Ju uh, or ju, it just means only. Uh, is the song Only You by The Platters and so on. This approach makes the stories, I cannot call them movies, more immersive. For instance, the story, story for shi, which means to know, is a combination of uh, the yenzapang, the speech component, and zhi, which is, we just mentioned is the song Only You by The Platters. Uh, he says, my childhood friend named Sherlock, that's the SH, is trying to sing Only You into a mic but he does not know the lyrics and it sounds awful. That's it, it's that simple. That's, that's fantastic to read, that's just brilliant. Uh, one might think there's not enough action to remember the story. Uh, and I suspect if I could simply visualize it, visualize it with my mind's eye, it would be memorable. It wouldn't be memorable indeed. I'm not quite sure what you mean there, but, but I distinctly hear his choppy voice full of humiliation, the background tune, the microphone noise. And I also see the scene with my mind, even if only for an instant, I doubt I'll ever forget it. So the method still works for me, maybe not exactly how I was intended to work, but how it was intended to work, but it works. I believe this is still the most effective way to learn Hanzi, that's Chinese characters that I know, and I tried plenty. This is great, this is what I suspected would be the the uh, sort of the um, the way of solving this issue, but I couldn't know, and I didn't want to presume to know because I don't have this condition. Um, but the, it's it it makes complete sense. I mean, someone that's blind or has been blind from birth, even they still have memories, right? Of course they do, and they mem they have incredible memories actually of of. Uh, senses. Are there other senses? You know, smell, touch. The, 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 they memorize where things are based on uh, paces and all this sort of incredible stuff that they do. So why wouldn't someone who can't imagine stuff visually just be able to rely on their other, vi other senses of memory in order to create these scenes? Just rely more heavily on sounds, music, uh, you know, and touch. This is, this is probably one of the most valuable comments that we've ever had for this reason. Because I know that, you know, 0.5% or maybe 1% of it, it's still a lot of people, one in, one in 100 or one in 200. Um, so anyone that faces this problem in, in the future, I'm just going to either send this video clip or send that comment to them. So thank you very much, Antonio, for voicing the issue. And thank you even more to Ivan for just providing such valuable uh, information for everyone. So that's just just great. Such a great community we've got going on. I say this all the time. <laughs> People who listen regularly must be getting annoyed. 
but I'm just so happy with the community that we have. It's it's fantastic. Um, so we've got a, just a few more uh, comments here. Uh, one from Oliver Olney on Make a Movie for Faye, which means to fly. He says, why is the ice prop utilized? Wouldn't it be more appropriate to pick a different prop since the strokes don't match? A very fair question. And the reason why, and, and do you know what? Me and Phil were actually quite frustrated by this issue because first of all, it's fine. You know, you're just using the prop backwards, right? And the two sort of uh, strokes that you see there on that side doesn't happen again pretty much ever. As far as, I've, as, as my memory serves me correctly, Faye is the only one which just has those two strokes on the on the, the ice components sort or of flipped. So it wasn't worth creating an entirely new prop, especially this early on in the course, just for this one character. But here was the annoying thing. This is the first time the ice prop is used, I believe. Uh, or at least it was in the first iteration. So we were like, we can't have the first time we use it be backwards, and then, it, but we we had no choice. So, but like I said before, these are just guidelines. So feel free to make your own prop if you like; it's no problem. All right. And maybe we overestimated how difficult it would be to make props uh, early on. So, but we're, that was our attempt at simplifying the process. Uh, I hope we don't confuse you too much. Another one from Oliver on make a movie for jiu, which means old, but for objects. He says, my Chinese friends in the South pronounce jiu not just as jiu, but as ju, ju. I, I, I'm just trying to read what you say there in, in sort of phonetic form. Shouldn't we use a different set? The ending pronunciation is different from kol. No, because we doing it, we are doing it based on standard Mandarin pronunciation, pu tonghua. So, I don't really care what someone does in Gansu or someone does in, uh, you know, uh, Sichuan or Shanghai or whatever it is. We're doing standard Mandarin pronunciation. And even if we weren't, the pronunciation on paper is still the same. It's still spelt the same. So just because they say it a different way doesn't make any difference whatsoever. Um, I guess they do say it slightly differently. I, I'm not, I, I haven't... I, um, be interested to know where they where they're from actually just so i can look into it further uh inga this is the last comment of the podcast inga dubrowska <laughs> sorry uh again so it says hi phil thank you very much for the email uh this was a an email that we send out to people who sign up for uh, an ebook i believe um just you know telling them a bit of information about chinese and whatnot it says I'm considering buying your course and giving it a try. I've been learning Mandarin for a year now and I feel that I don't know it at all. This is another, this is the same issue that I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast, right? I spent many hours writing and learning, I'm going to do that in quotes for you, learning characters and left with nothing. Yeah, this is so common. Still, I remember only some of them. Right now I'm in Taiwan, I take classes there. And it's even worse because most of the characters are different and more difficult. Yes, they try and teach you words based on characters you've never learned, which is very frustrating. That's why we made the Mandarin Blueprint Method to fix this issue. And it is even worse because most of the characters... Yeah, so uh, you know what I mean? Yes, I do. Uh, so in the, in the begging... Well, in the beginning, sorry. I was very excited about learning new, a new language. I speak already three languages. Uh, so I thought it would be <clears throat> pretty easy. Yeah, that's very common as well. 
And right now I'm so frustrated and feeling I'm going nowhere. I'm looking at your videos and all you say makes sense, but but I still hesitate if I manage to do it after all these tries and fails. So, uh, so please give me advice, please. Uh, give me some advice, please, Inga. Yeah, um, you, you, what you're going through is completely, it's very common, uh, way too common, way too common. It should not be this tough. The, the difference is people treat learning language as they do any other subject, like physics or whatever, we have to just learn a bunch of facts. Um, it's not that easy, uh, unfortunately. It doesn't, you don't learn, I mean, I'm not saying that all traditional learning doesn't work. I'm just saying it doesn't work for language learning. Uh, in a lot of in most traditional learning methods situations do not work for learning language. And there's another issue, which is Chinese is different. Chinese, Chinese is up there with Arabic and Japanese. And uh, I believe there's one other, but they're, they're, it's just like three or four languages at the top level of difficulty, way more difficult than other languages, simply because of the writing system. Uh, Arabic and Japanese are on a similar level to Chinese. It's not that it's hard, it's just that the current methods of teaching that writing system are terrible. So it takes you like five times longer with traditional methods than it would to say learn Spanish where you can just pretty much start reading straight away after like mastering certain sounds and even French, which is a little bit more tough, but still, um, <clears throat> yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm so frustrated. I'm feeling going nowhere. It makes you feel dumb. It makes you feel like you're rubbish at languages, but you're not. Um, it's just the methods you're using. And that's the whole reason why we created Mandarin Blueprint. So to solve this issue once and for all. Now, does that mean that Chinese is like a, a walk in the park? Does that mean that you just, you just press a bunch of buttons on our course platform? And it makes lots of dopamine hit inducing flashes for you and it make and it's really fun and then you just have to hit stuff and not try not put in any time just put in 10 minutes a day and you'll become fluent in six months no no it doesn't work like that either we've just made the process as simple and as enjoyable as it could possibly be especially that beginning process of learning to read and listen um but you still have to put in the time right and it looks like you're the sort of person that is happy to do that you just you just want some return for your investment um so yeah so if you i believe you're already on the course actually inga i might be i might be someone else i'm thinking of but if you're not already on the course give it a shot and that goes for anyone else listening that's not on the course worst case scenario you hate our faces <laughs> you're sick of watching our videos and uh, you know the, the the method doesn't work for you, and you get your money back, you know. But give it a shot, guys, uh, if you haven't already. And uh, that's I guess is a good sort of way to leave the podcast for this week. Thank you very much for listening. We are always here to answer questions, whether you're on the course and uh, on a subscription or you're not. We just you know we're happy to answer any questions you have about Chinese, and we'll most likely do so right here on the podcast. So thanks guys uh, for listening and I will see you in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye.